Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. Why is this a very special episode? Because we get to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, something that's almost as exciting about watching NBA games is doing NBA fantasy, particularly daily fantasy. And if we're going to talk about fantasy, there's only one person I could possibly bring onto this show, and that Barner is a, a NBA fantasy and just overall fantasy expert. He writes for RotoWire. He writes for Sportsline. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto Mike Barner if you need some advice, which I desperately do. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. That was quite the introduction. I appreciate it. I've been working on them. You know, usually with <laughs> Sam, I, I I slack a little bit in the introduction department, but <laughs> well, thank you. Funny story about me and Mike. We, we were in a, Mike set up an expert daily fantasy league that we play on Fridays for NBA. And for some reason, he included me. And I am very thankful for him, even though I'm not really an expert. But we actually had the exact same lineup the other night, which is pretty miraculous because there were 10 games going on. So uh, Mike, uh, you know, DM me on Twitter and was like, hey, man, I think we have the same lineup tonight. And uh, we finished 11th out of 20. But that's not really that important. But the important thing is we're on the same wavelength, which is what I like to hear. The same unsuccessful wavelength, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so the reason I have Mike on today is this is an NBA trade podcast. Uh, I love fantasy. So we're going to talk about something that is a common gripe in the fantasy world, and that is having someone on a team, and he's either not getting enough minutes, not getting enough opportunity. You, you know, when somebody's out, he comes in and has a tremendous game, then the person comes back and he's relegated back to his old his old duty. So there, we're going to try to get some people out of fantasy jail here and get them traded to a team where, uh, you know, they could actually have live up to their full fantasy potential. So the, the first guy that we just need to get this guy out of the way, he wasn't actually on Mike's list, but just because he's in the news, Marvin Bagley, his dad seems to be upset about the way he's being used in Sacramento. Uh, this is the latest, you know, unhappy Sacramento King. Um, I don't know whether Bagley feels that way himself, but the, the Kings do have a kind of crowded front court right there. And moving forward, you know, Tyrese Halliburton looks really good, obviously De'Aaron Fox, but he probably goes and isn't going anywhere with that contract. So, you know, trading Bagley for some other pieces might not be the worst thing in the world. Mike, I just wanted to ask you uh, first and foremost, do you think that uh, a trade where Marvin Bagley went somewhere else would be, you know, better for his fantasy value? Or do you think maybe sticking around in Sacramento, kind of working through whatever issues he's having is the best place for him? I think him getting out of Sacramento would be very good for his fantasy value because he's not playing enough. How often does the second overall pick in the draft play so few minutes? His first two seasons in the league, despite being on a bad overall roster, he hasn't averaged more than 26 minutes a game. He's on the same pace again this season. I mean, even with his limited playing time the first two seasons of his career, he averaged at least 14.2 points and 7.5 rebounds a season. If he could get upwards of around 30 minutes a night, there's no reason to think that he couldn't average somewhere around 16 points and 10 rebounds a night. So if we get him on a team that has not as deep of a front court or at least has a better mindset of getting him more minutes, I definitely think it would help him from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy like Bagley, like he, he's definitely one of those guys that, that if someone's out and you know he's going to get 30 minutes, like you get him in your lineups because you, you know he's going to put up numbers. But uh, in terms of actual, you know, NBA trades, uh, not fantasy trades, it's it's kind of hard to find a spot for a guy like Bagley just because uh, if he goes to a, 
a, a contending team, then he's probably not going to play as much. And if he goes to a bad team, then they're going to have to find the, the Kings are going to have to find something from them that they want. So I think the deals might be a little more difficult, but um, I, I just wanted to talk about Bagley off the top because, you know, he's been in the news, but now, now we can get uh, to your list. These are the guys that have been frustrating Mike all year long and, and he needs them to get off their teams in order to, to live up to their fantasy potential. So I'll let you take it over, Mike. Who's the first guy on your list? Yeah, this is a fun topic. This is kind of like the airing of grievances for Festivus uh, for Seinfeld fans. It's kind of I can kind of get all these frustrating situations off my chest. So the first one I'll start with is Ricky Rubio. We got to get him off the Timberwolves. Them trading for him never really made sense to me in the first place. Uh, yes, he's familiar with the franchise, but they have D'Angelo Russell. They brought back Malik Beasley. They drafted Anthony Edwards. I mean, they're bringing this guy off the bench. He's playing 24 minutes a night. So I want to get him out of there, and I want to send him to the Orlando Magic. Uh, they need a point guard now. Markel Fultz is out for the season. They do have Cole Anthony. He's a promising young rookie, but he's a shoot-first kind of point guard. He's not a facilitator. If we get rookie Rubio over there, let him play around 30 minutes a night, he's got some good weapons around him. Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, obviously Vucevic. He could be, uh, again, the guy that averaged 8.8 assists last season with the Suns with a lot of weapons around him. So my first trade is to get Ricky Rubio to the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I mean, this is an incredibly frustrating situation. And, you know, you see his price on, on FanDuel or, or DraftKings, and it's pretty low. And then you look at his game log, you're like, oh, that's why. He's, he's not even close to what he was last year, which is kind of strange because even after, uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns went out, I thought they might uh, give him a little more run, play him alongside D'Angelo Russell and kind of get those stats up. But even that hasn't happened, so... That pretty frustrating situation for for fantasy wise for Ricky Rubio, but if if we're trying to get him to the Orlando Magic, which I think makes sense, you know, uh, Cole Anthony got to start the other night, and you know he, he he doesn't look quite ready to take on that that starting point guard role. So if you're the Orlando Magic, you you want a guy who can kind of you know bridge that gap, and who knows how long Fultz is going to be out and how he's going to recover after the ACL injury. So I think it makes sense for him to go there. And for Minnesota, I think, you know, they have a guy on their team who they've been trying to get rid of for a very long time and haven't been able to find a deal, uh, and that's Aaron Gordon. And I think he would fit in really well on the Timberwolves as, you know, they obviously need to improve their defense. Uh, he's a guy who can switch. He can play different positions, incredibly athletic, as we all know from watching his dunk contest. But he's also improving offensively and, and getting out of that Orlando situation. You know, Jonathan Isaac's going to be their guy. Uh, in that position when he finally comes back from injury. So I think if uh, Orlando could send Gordon to Minnesota and then Minnesota could send Rubio and then, you know, take your pick of whatever young player you want, whether it's Jared Vanderbilt or, or Jaden McDaniels or whoever you think. So, uh, you know, the, Rubio and Gordon have very similar contracts. Uh, obviously, the, the Magic get worse, I think, in this trade, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because they shouldn't be trying to win this year anyway. They should be trying to lose get as many ping pong balls as they can and go swinging in the 2021 draft. So uh, what do you think about that trade, Mike? Yeah, I, I think that it makes sense the, for the Timberwolves because they definitely have a gaping hole uh, at that power forward spot, which Gordon would be good to fill. So, I, yeah, I could I don't if I'm the magic, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, I just want to get Rubio to the magic. So I'm not really worried about who they got to give up, but because <laughs> I'm just looking at this for one year for fantasy, let's get Ricky Rubio to the magic. Let's do it. 
I think we can figure something out. And if, if that first offer is rejected, we can, we can keep working. But, but I think, uh, you know, the Magic definitely need a point guard. And, and we've seen Rubio's fantasy potential, uh, you know, when he actually gets minutes. He's, he's, he was at 30, over 30 minutes a game last year, put up some really good numbers. So uh, let's get Rubio to the Magic. Uh, how maybe, about, they could, maybe they could get like Jarrett Culver, too. Like maybe we could get Culver over to the Magic just to sweeten that up with a little bit of a young player there. That wouldn't. Yeah, be there you go. Culver's probably losing a lot of uh, run to Anthony Edwards as it is anyway. So. Yeah, there we go. Makes sense All to right. me. All right, so my next one. Uh, this is gonna sound crazy, but we got to get Lou Williams off the Clippers, uh, which is something that seems so odd to say considering how well he's played for them since he became a Clipper, but. They're just they're not using him anymore. They have such a deep team at just about every position. He's only averaging 20 minutes a night this season. His usage rate has plummeted to just over 21%. And to give you a frame of reference as to how low that is, each of his first three seasons with the Clippers, his usage rate was at least 28.4%. So that's a massive drop. So we got to get Lou Will off the Clippers. And the team I want to send him to is the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans, you wouldn't think they'd have problems scoring. They've got Brandon Ingram, they've got Zion, they've got some big names and Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe, but they're actually averaging the six fewest points per game in the league. Bledsoe's been terrible. You know, Zion and Ingram has been ad- advertised, but and, and you got Lonzo Ball. He's more of a pass-first guard, so he's not necessarily going to light it up on the offensive end. So if they could get Lou Williams there, that's the instant office, offense that they would need at the guard spot. Uh, I'd like to see Eric Bledsoe go out of town, uh, whether it be in the Lou Will trade or sending him someplace else in a three-team deal. Uh, but I want to get Lou Will on the Clippers or on the Pelicans. Sorry. Yeah, off the Clippers. It sounds off weird to say. Like you said, it's it's like he, they go hand in hand. Like ever since he's gotten to the Clippers, he's been unstoppable. I mean, I remember watching this guy in the first round of the playoffs against the Warriors, and and they just can't. They couldn't stop him. And to look at, at I mean, it looks like a typo. He's averaging less than ten points a game. Like this is Lou Williams we're talking about here. So not only that, but you know, I think obviously a big. Uh, blow to his value was losing Montrez Harrell because, you know, Williams averaged almost six assists a game last year. And a lot of those were with Montrez Harrell in that deadly pick and roll. Now with him gone, seems like he's kind of lost in terms of what to do offensively. But I absolutely agree with you. I, I don't think this is off the radar. I think this is a trade that a lot of people think are going to happen um, in terms of the destination. I'm not quite sure, but uh, the Pelicans, I think, make sense. And as you mentioned, they're not scoring as much as people might think. They're playing at a much slower pace under Stan Van Gundy than they were under Alvin Gentry. So they might need that that half-court creator to just go and get them a bucket when Brandon Ingram is out of the game. So I, I do think it makes sense. And as you mentioned, you know, Eric Bledsoe, the salary doesn't really work uh, for Lou Williams because the Clippers are, are so capped out that they can't take on any extra salary. Um, a guy I was kind of targeting for them was maybe Josh Hart. Maybe they could get someone like that, uh, kind of a do-everything. He is a guard, but he can also play small forward, a good defender, uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. I don't know if the Pelicans would be willing to get rid of Josh Hart for Lou Williams, but if they really feel the need to, to bolster their half-court offense, I don't think it's it's too out of the realm of possibilities. And Hart makes less money than Williams, but because the Pelicans are under the cap, they can just absorb the rest of that. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I I think the weird thing about the Clippers is I I don't really know that they would be too concerned of what they would get back for Lou Williams. I mean, they've kind of already ready to phase him out when they got Luke Kennard. I mean, he kind of 
fills, I assume that they want him to fill the role that Williams has been filling for the last few seasons. I almost feel like they would probably like to just get him off the roster. I mean, I know there was some of those rumors about how he wasn't too happy with how the, the stars were being given preferential treatment. So I don't know. I don't really necessarily know that they'd be pushing to get a big return because, frankly, what do they need? I mean, they've got a pretty deep roster. Uh, maybe maybe they could get J.J. Redick back over there somehow just to have a nice veteran guy on the bench who can also shoot some threes. I, I don't know. It, it just It's just it's such an odd situation with Lou Williams this year to see him be so he's not involved and it's just so strange it is and I, I really don't uh, I, I it's hard for me to fathom this big of a drop from him like I, I could see you know like you mentioned they got Kennard they lost Terrell maybe he'd lose some of that but the, the usage rates that you're talking about and uh, you know if you're talking about uh, you know a player being maybe discontented um, I can't imagine that Lou Williams is happy with what's happening here so I, I imagine what the Clippers are doing is they're kind of waiting around, seeing what the best deal they can get, seeing maybe if they wait till the trade deadline, uh, somebody will get desperate. Uh, one of these contenders will just say, hey, we need one more piece, and they'll throw something at them. But I, I'm with you. I can't imagine uh, what kind of uh, you know return they'd be getting for Lou Williams, and he's going to be a free agent. So they pretty much need to trade him or, or else risk losing him for nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that situation develops. But certainly from a fantasy perspective, please, Please let Lou Williams go to a team where he can actually do something. <laughs> Free Lou. Free Lou. Free him. <laughs> All right. Who's so next? Yeah. next one, we got to do something here with Devontae Graham. Uh, the, the writing was kind of on the wall here when the Hornets drafted LaMelo Ball. They had to draft him. I mean, it just made too much sense. And boy, he is looking better than I expected him to look this early on. Um, even with Graham's breakout year last year, we knew his playing time and his scoring opportunities were probably going to decline. It's exactly what's happened. He's averaging nearly three minutes fewer a game. His usage rate last season was 24.8%. Now, they needed that because they had basically no scoring options around him. This season, it's down to 18.7%. That's a massive drop. Um, so I, I don't think he fits long-term with ball, so let's get him out of here. And I want to send him to the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons would almost put him in the same kind of situation that he was on with the Hornets last year, where there's not much talent around him, and they need scorers. I don't think Derrick Rose is going to be there for much longer. Killian Hayes is hurt, and he looked a little bit overwhelmed even before he came down with the injury, so it might be good to let, just let him come off the bench in a limited role uh, for his first season. I think this would be a great spot for Graham. He could just sit there and fire away with Jeremy Grant, I have no faith in in Blake Griffin staying healthy. Uh, you know, Mason Plumley, he's more of a rebounder than anything else. Graham's usage rate could once again be very high. I would love to see him go to the Pistons. Man, I'm I'm completely with you. When I saw you sent this over to me, I got really excited about the Monte <laughs> Graham in Detroit. I mean, I love watching this guy just from a, in a basketball perspective, let alone a fantasy perspective, but. I mean, the amount of threes that he puts up, the assists, uh, he gets some steals. This is just a guy who is is just born to produce. And seeing him kind of stifled in that Charlotte backcourt with Terry Rozier and LaMelo um, and Gordon Hayward now taking a lot of his usage is just kind of frustrating. But first of all, can we do a quick aside? What is, what is LaMelo Ball's potential as a fantasy player? Because what he's doing already is remarkable. And I'm with you. I thought it would take him much longer to get acclimated to the NBA. But what we're seeing right now, I mean, 
Is this guy just a walking triple-double for the next, I don't know, however many years, 20? Boy, if, if you're playing in a points league where percentages don't matter, he is going to be a heck of an asset for a long time. I mean, if you're playing in a traditional roto league that, that counts your, your field goal and your free throw percentage, I mean, he might be a drain there. I believe he's shooting around 40% right now, which honestly is higher than I thought he was going to shoot. Uh, I figured he was going to, I mean, last year, Graham shot, it was, I believe it was 38 and some odd percent. I kind of figured ball was going to be kind of in that same range just because he's got such an unorthodox shooting style, but man, he has really stepped up much faster than I anticipated and they've got to play him more. And one way to do that is to get Graham out of town. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. We actually did, me and Sam did a podcast on this very topic of how do we get LaMelo Ball more playing time. And I ended up, you know, pitching a trade, uh, trading Rozier uh, instead of Graham, just because I thought, you know, Graham is probably the the more exciting younger prospect. Turns out he's not that much younger. I think uh, Terry Rozier is 26 and Devontae Graham is 25. And you got to keep in mind, Graham's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, with all the money that they're paying Hayward and all uh, the minutes they want to give to LaMelo, somebody comes in and gives Devonte Graham a huge offer, Charlotte might not want to match it. And then you're looking at losing a guy like Graham for free. So if they could try to get him to Detroit, uh, I'm not sure what kind of return they're looking for in terms of players, but Detroit does have a lot of first round picks. If, if they are really excited about Devonte Graham being kind of the, their point guard of the future there, you mentioned Killian Hayes. I talked to a, a, a scout or he's a coach in Germany who played against Killian Hayes and he warned me before the draft. He said, look, this guy is very far away. So I think with that in mind, bringing Graham in there, letting Hayes heal from whatever injury he's got and then kind of back him up makes sense. So I, I think he might be worth a first round pick. And I think if, if Charlotte is kind of under the impression that they're not going to bring Graham back or they want to free up space for LaMelo, getting a future first in return is not the worst thing in the world. No, definitely not. I like that idea. Yeah, and, you know, you could throw in, like, Svi Mikhailuk or somebody like that. You know, Graham makes no money. Like, he he's basically playing for free this year, which is re- remarkable. But um, he's uh, it's it's very easy to match salary, I guess is my point. So um, let's get Devontae Graham out of Charlotte, seriously. <laughs> and since we're talking about Charlotte, that's a good segue into the next guy uh, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, let's get John Collins to the Hornets. That it would be a bit wow. of a shocking trade. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, think about the this roster that the Hawks have built. It's it's deep, and not only is it deep, but it's a bit awkward. Uh, trading for Clint Capella last season, signing Danilo Gallinari, those are two guys that had the potential to take playing times away from Collins. Even though Gallinari has been out for most of the season, Collins has seen his playing time decrease. It, it's gone down by almost five minutes a game. That's a big drop. He's due for a big contract. He's reportedly having some issues with Trey Young. Obviously, Trey Young's not going anywhere anytime soon. So if they're picking between one or the other, if these guys really don't want to play with each other, they're obviously going to pick Trey Young and, and not John Collins. So uh, let's get him over to the Hornets. The Hornets are a disaster up front. Uh, they, they're starting Bismack Biombo, uh, which is almost oh, a joke. The Biombo I mean, slanders is a perfect. Oh, oh it's, I just can't. I mean, he's a decent backup guy, but geez, to have him starting, I understand that. He is supposed to back up Cody Zeller, but Cody Zeller is never healthy, and he's out again right now, of course, and that's why Biombo's starting. Uh, even if Zeller is healthy, he's he he should be your backup center anyways. So let's get I Collins. I feel so over bad. 
I feel so bad watching Lamelo pass the ball to Bismack Biombo to see the ball bounce off his face and off his hands out of bounds. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't imagine what this must be like in practice. But can you imagine if if Collins went over there and he's got you know Hayward throwing passes and ball? Boy, I tell you, that would be a really exciting team to watch. And they're not. That doesn't make them a championship caliber team. But you know they could get out of the first round if they finished with the. The, the fifth or the sixth seed, they could cause some, you know, they could get, cause some trouble in the playoffs. I would really like to see John Collins go to the Hornets. Yeah, this is, I mean, another one that gets me really excited. When Once you send me this, it, it really starts to make sense. And, you know, they, the Hornets have been kind of handcuffing LaMelo and Miles Bridges just because Bridges is that lob threat and that athletic guy who can get out in the wing. You add John Collins into that trio there, and, and all of a sudden you've got a really fast, really athletic team. Um, in terms of trades, I think P.J. Washington obviously has to be involved here. And I actually like that a lot for the Hawks. Because right now, if you think about it, you've got Clint Capella in the dunker spot. Uh, Collins can shoot threes. He's a, he has a good percentage, but he's not a volume guy. Um, but he does most of his work inside. You want him to be athletic and, you know, second offensive rebounds and putbacks and all those things. And that's really hard to do um, if you've got Capella in there. And they're staggering them now, which makes sense. But you also have Onyeka Kongwu, who I think is going to be a really, really good pro, uh, waiting to come back from injuries, make his NBA debut, another power forward center type of guy. So getting P.J. Washington, who is more of a traditional stretch four, you're looking at Trey Young with Capella, you know, or Kongwu in the dunker spot and then just surrounded by shooters. I actually think that makes a lot of sense uh, for the Hawks and it makes me really excited about their offense. And obviously then you can slide Gallinari into the starting lineup, bring Washington off the bench, you just have a lot of a lot of different options, but if Collins is really, you know, unhappy and it sounds like he doesn't like the way that Trey Young is running the offense, they've both said that, you know, hey, this is just how basketball players talk with each other. But for it to make it to the press, it has to be something. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Collins, another restricted free agent at the end of the year, if he gets a huge offer, the Hawks might not want to match it. Might be time to try to get something for him. What do you think? I'm in. I mean, they're going to have to give up. Obviously, they're going to have to give up something of importance to get a guy like John Collins. Um, so I definitely think Washington would be uh, someone that they should happily give up if they can get you know, a guy of Collins caliber back. And I think that's an asset that would be very valuable to the Hawks, too. I mean, it's kind of hard to find something that the Hawks say, oh, well, this is this is the guy that we need to help fill out our roster. Their roster is already so deep. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it's uh, the Hawks are in a weird position because they're kind of like, you know, half in and half out. Where they made these moves in the offseason to, to try to, you know, win now moves. But they also have this, all these younger guys who are very talented and they're on a completely different timetable. So, yeah, it's a little strange there. And, and this in the early season, it, it's kind of worked out the way everybody thought. They can score. They can't play defense. They have a very confused rotation. So, um, it might just take a while for them to to get going, but if you know if their goal is to to make the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs this year, and they get midway through the season and things aren't clicking, I don't think it's crazy for them to look to trade Collins, particularly if he stays unhappy. Yeah, it's it seems it seems like I, I felt like when they started making, I didn't like when they got Capella last year, for, you know, for Collins's production potential. I really didn't like when they got Gallinari. I like it from a real-life basketball perspective for the Hawks. Obviously, to add a veteran like that uh, who can help stretch the floor is important, but it kind of had the writing on the wall that maybe Collins is not the guy that they want to be married to long-term. And, you know, he had the suspension, too, um, so that might factor into them not wanting to to commit to him long-term. 
So if Collins goes to Charlotte and he's their starting center, like what kind of upside is that fantasy wise? That seems oh. like a, a just an absolute monster. I mean, he that's twenty and ten on a nightly basis. That's that's what he would be there. He'd play a ton. Uh, he's got great guys passing him the ball. Even there's then you figure Washington's gone, so they have still no depth behind him. So there's going to be no one pushing him for playing time. It would be and it'd be like basically the situation that he was in on the Hawks last year before they traded for Capella. They they really didn't have anybody and he played a ton and he was very active in the offense and and it would be the same situation if he ended up on the Hornets. I'm really excited. I think this is the trade that I most want to see out of all of these so far. See, we, we're we're making everybody happy. We're making Collins happy. We're making <laughs> fantasy basketball managers happy. This is a kumbaya moment. Let's do That's it. That's what we're here for. The world needs some happiness right now, Mike. <laughs> That's right. We're putting smiles on everybody's faces. Speaking of uh, maybe smiles that aren't on people's faces, another hawk that seems to be, uh, you know, kind of pushed out of the uh, the whole mix there. Who's the next guy on your list? Yeah, Kevin Herter, he's unfortunately is going to find himself a victim of this massive depth that the Hawks have acquired. Uh, he averaged 31 minutes a game last season. He's only averaging 27 minutes a night this year. And I think that's even a little bit of fool's gold because they've had a lot of injuries early on. So I think that could get even worse. So let's get him out of there now and let's get him to the Thunder. I think he would be an ideal addition for the Thunder First, he's young, so he fits their rebuild that they're going to through. Uh, second, he's a great three-point shooter. That would help take some of the pressure off of Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, he's even a pretty good ball handler, better than most people might think, so he could help free up SGA in that regard. Um, even with his limited minutes, he's averaging over three assists a night this season. So I think we get Herter over to the Thunder. He gets a lot of playing time. His usage rate goes up, and he'd really be a, an excellent fantasy asset. Yeah, he's a guy who, you know, we're talking about when guys are out. When Trey Young missed games and Herder kind of became the primary, you know, ball handler there because they didn't really have a backup point guard. Like you mentioned, he was a guy who could rack up some assists. He gets some steals. You know, he's he's obviously a tremendous three-point shooter. And he can take the ball to the basket as well. So I, he's another guy who I'd really like to see, uh, you know, in a place like Oklahoma City. So, uh, you know, where he can kind of showcase what he's got and let's let's see what he's got first and then try to rein him in. Uh, yeah, his situation in Atlanta, I mean, we've gone over it with Collins, but the same thing holds for the wing. They just got so many guys. It's just going to be hard to get everybody playing time. So uh, if we're sending him to OKC in terms of actual trades, it doesn't, you know, it's not crazy for the Hawks to go get a guy like, you know, George Hill or somebody like that. Obviously, they would need more um, in maybe one of those thousands of picks that the, the Thunder have or something like that. Um, but, you know, we mentioned how the Hawks kind of have a, a lot of young guys and, and they still want to, uh, you know, compete for a playoff spot and, and go deeper into the playoffs this year. So getting a veteran who can also handle the ball and play off the ball a little bit, you know, Rajon Rondo's there, but he's injured a lot. And you never know what you're getting from him in the regular season. George Hill is obviously a guy that, that Oakley C wants to get rid of. So they might be a little more motivated than usual. Um, to throw in a, maybe an extra asset or something to get if if they look at a guy like Herter and say, hey, he can really be a part of our future. So problem with OKC, obviously, trade wise is they, they have a lot of young guys who they probably like and don't want to get rid of. And if they do want to get rid of them, Atlanta probably doesn't want them. So that's why I thought Hill might be a good kind of compromise as, as a veteran who can help them now. I love that idea. I think Hill would be much better suited 
uh, to fill the role that Herder is filling um, with regards to being a, a backup point guard and shooting guard off the bench and providing a veteran presence. And when you're a rebuilding team like the Thunder, when you acquire the massive amount of picks that they've acquired, you don't do that with the intention of using all of those picks. You do that with the intention of flipping those picks into either players or to move up higher in drafts. So I'm sure they've got some pick that's projected to be a, a later first round pick that they could pair with George Hill. And if I'm the Hawks, I would certainly like that. I mean, you get a veteran to help that can help you now, and then you get a pick later. I, I would do that. Yeah. And you know, they also have like Trevor Reza or somebody like that. If they, he obviously is never going to play for the thunder. So if they wanted, yeah. you know, the Hawks wanted another veteran to just throw in the mix and you know, you could do that too. Who is uh, on the Thunder? I mean, uh, from a fantasy perspective, just one of the most intriguing teams in the entire NBA. I mean, you've got Hill and Horford, who uh, they're limiting their minutes, so their ceiling is kind of capped. Shea Gilders-Alexander is obviously the the main fantasy guy there. But then you've got Baisley, you've got Diallo coming out of nowhere, you've got Dord who can throw up, you know, 20-point games every once in a while. Muscala can come out of nowhere and have big games. And, you know, even a guy like Isaiah Roby, who just gets a spot start and puts up big numbers. Uh, I didn't even mention Alexei Pukachevsky, who everyone loves. Who's your, yeah. Who are your guys in the Thunder? I, I was very high on on Baisley and Dort heading into the season. Um, and all my preseason articles, as I was saying, one year later round picks, make sure you grab one of these two. Baisley has been pretty much as advertised. He's been great. Uh, he's averaging almost a double-double. He's playing a lot, uh, and they don't have hardly any depth up front, so I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Dort is not as valuable as a guy like Baisley is because Dort is kind of pigeonholed into contributing in only a couple of categories. But if you need three-pointers and steals, he's your guy. And if you can get someone like him in the later rounds of your draft, if you did take him in the later rounds of your draft, a guy who's going to play around 30 minutes a night and get you threes and steals is a good guy to have on your bench. What about Diallo? He's like my my favorite guy, and, and I whenever I take him, he never does anything. But then I don't take him, and he gets like 40 in Fanduel. Yeah, he's he's very inconsistent. I wouldn't feel comfortable playing him unless you're in a 14 team or or deeper league. He's just going to be too inconsistent on the offensive end. And I mean, he's he hasn't done he doesn't hardly contribute at all from behind the arc, so that's a problem. He's a bad free throw shooter. That's a problem if you're in a rotisserie league. So he's he's a guy where if you're in 14 team deep league or deeper, or if the Thunder have some crazy schedule advantage and half the team is in the health and safety protocol, so he's going to have to play a lot. Uh, that's a situation where you would deploy him in fantasy. But other than that, you don't you don't need to waste your time thinking about it. That's a really good point you just brought up in terms of the the covid situation and we've obviously seen that in the past week more than more than ever in the nba and and how these teams are just losing multiple players at a time and the nba is, seems to have a very confusing contract contact tracing protocol where some guys are, are being held out if they played against somebody and some guys aren't and even guys on the same team aren't being held out if someone tests positive so it's uh it's very confusing how do you handle this from a a fantasy perspective in terms of you know, adding guys, dropping guys, being wary of picking guys up, things like that. Yeah, the the problem, if you're in a head-to-head league where you have to set your lineup on Mondays, it's almost impossible this season. I'm in a couple of those, and it's you're basically crossing your fingers and hoping that nobody gets put on the list or test positive. But the two key things this year is you want to have as much depth as possible on your team. Normally, I'm not a guy who likes to make a 
I will trade you a really good player for two decent players. Um, but this might be a season where you want to trade one player and get two back because you want to try and get as much depth on your team as possible. So that's number one. Number two, if you're playing in a league where you can make daily lineup moves and you have a maximum games played per position, I beg of you, do not save games for the end of the season because we're probably going to run into a situation where you've come into the last week of the season and you've got all these games available for you to plug guys in and you don't have enough guys to fill the spots. So if you've got decent guys on your bench right now, play them. Get them in now. Don't worry about being projected to be over the, the game's played allotment. Get your guys in there now. And you can if that's a problem that you have later in the season, thank goodness. That means your team's been pretty healthy and you've gotten this far. And you're probably in a position to win your league. So play your guys now. As my Yale baseball head coach, John Stupa, used to say, win today for tomorrow it may rain. Yeah, amen. Because this is... <laughs> I mean, you're just looking at the stuff. The guy teams are throwing out eight players, and you got like you were saying. I don't understand the contract tracing. Like the Joel Embiid is cleared to pay, even though he was sitting right next to Seth Curry, but some of the other guys aren't. It's just, it's just so strange. And yeah, that, and then uh, Bradley Beal gets put on the list because he was talking to Jason Tatum after the game. But I assume Tatum had conversations with some other people too. It's yeah, all and probably strange. every guy on the Celtics. I mean, so and and. Have we seen any coaches get? I haven't seen any coaches saying that they can't coach the team. Well, how, the coaches must be talking to the players. I mean, it's just the it's an odd situation, and I don't really know how it's going to play out. I'm happy we have a season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something gets paused at some point. Although I thought I I said that with the NFL season, and they kept barreling through, and you know having the Sixers play on Saturday with basically seven guys it appears the nba is going to try and just barrel through this too um so but again get as much depth as you can don't worry about saving games if you're in a daily transaction league get your guys in and play as many guys as you can as possible every day yeah and it's uh you know you mentioned football and the same thing happened in baseball but you know those are rosters that are pretty big and if a couple of guys are missing even three four guys are missing you kind of fill that in and the nba it's a little different right if you're if you're missing you know a half of your roster then suddenly you're throwing guys out for 40 minutes a game but that ends up being good for guys like tyrese maxey who dropped almost 40 in that game where no one played so if if there was ever a year to make sure that you were involved in daily fantasy sports this is it uh, and that's kind of the reason why I created the league that you were talking about is, you know, normally I'm a gun-ho. I, I, obviously, I play DFS every day, but I'm normally a gun-ho season long as my first and, and my foremost passion. But you just don't know how things are going to go this year. And if you like I say, that if you're in a head-to-head league where you set your lineups on Monday, you could set your lineups, you know, oh, great, the, the Sixers have five games coming up this week. They're, they're one of only two teams that play five games. I'm going to get Shake Milton off waivers, and I'm going to play them. And then you put him in there, and then all of a sudden on Tuesday, someone comes down with COVID, and he's a close contact, and he's out for the whole week. And you set your lineup, and now you're screwed. So, I mean, it's just if – if there's ever a year to – if you don't play a daily fantasy and you want to be involved on a night-to-night basis, this is the year to do it because you just don't know how things are going to go. Yeah, and you don't need to tell me to play da- daily fantasy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am I'm addicted. Not, I'm not pushing you on anything that you're not already selling, so <laughs> – 
Speaking of daily fantasy, one guy who, another one of those guys, when you know he's going to get minutes, he's going to produce. Who's who's the last guy on your list? Yeah, I, I wanted to throw this name out there. I mean, just who doesn't like talking about Boban? I mean, Bobby. Let's get this guy. And I had said to you we were when we were talking b- before the show of, of where to send him, and you, you know, obviously you said, yeah, we should talk about John Collins. But if if let's just say, for argument's sake, the Hornets don't want to make a big move and bring in Collins, let's bring in Boban. The guy is a per 36-minute monster. Now, for his career, per 36 minutes, he's averaging 23.1 points and 14.9 rebounds. Now, (laughs) obviously, the guy doesn't play anywhere near 36 minutes. He's never averaged more than 12 minutes a game during his career. But if we can get him on the Hornets and let him play around 20 minutes a night, even if he's coming off the bench behind Zeller once, uh, once Zeller comes back, he could be someone who's valuable even in 12-team leagues. Um, so if the Hornets don't want to make the big splash and go out and get John Collins, go get Boban. This guy, I mean, anyone who, who plays DFS knows about Boban because those games at the end of the year when, you know, everybody's resting and we know he's going to play, he's just, he's chalk. Like, you've got to get him in. And he's skilled, you know, that's the thing. A lot of these guys out there, you know, they'll put up, uh, you know, putbacks and rebounds and stuff like that. But Boban's shooting threes now. He's got a lot of offensive skill, nice touch around the basket. And, uh, you know, he can even pass a little bit. So I, I just, I, it's hard. I can't say, sit here and say that he should be playing more just because defensively he's, he's kind of a nightmare, especially in today's NBA. But <laughs> I, it's hard for me to find a team and say, you know, hey, look, if he went there, he would get 20 minutes a game. That that might be a little bit of a stretch. But we only care about fantasy. So it's a good point. It's a very good point. Let's get him to the Hornets, and then they can worry about that. For fantasy, we want to put him on the Hornets and let him play. Maybe if we say, you know, tell Michael Jordan that we'll share some of our winnings with him, you know, he he's always <laughs> looking for money, right? He's got he's got to be willing to do that. How awesome would that be if they could do some some recordings of just Boban sitting down and talking with Jordan? I mean, that that would be so much fun to to just watch the two of them. I mean, but Boban is just he's just a guy that you can't help but smile either when you listen to him do an interview or when he's on the floor. The guy looks like he's in slow motion, but it's just he just finds a way to get it done. Yeah, and a great locker room guy too. Everybody loves yeah. him. Tobias Harris was his heart was broken when they they finally parted or ended up on different teams. It's just there's no downside to bringing Boban into your culture. I don't think. No, definitely not. Mike, this was fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on. What what are you working on? What where can people read you and, and find you? Yeah, this is, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on. When you sent me this, uh, this topic was super fun and, and fun to dive into. We all love making trades, especially all of us who play fantasy sports. I mean, that's basically what we do all day long. Uh, the draft is the most exciting thing. And then as soon as the day after the draft, you're like, oh, all right, well, I didn't like this. So who can I trade for? Um, but yeah, if you want to follow my work, uh, follow me on Sportsline. I write a waiver wire column and a weekly preview column every week. The weekly preview one is especially important for people who are in head-to-head leagues. I break down who plays the most games each week and who has the best opponents based on their matchups. Uh, if you're not already a Sportsline subscriber, uh, sign up using the promo code BARNER. That's my last name, B-A-R-N-E-R, and you'll get the first month for just a dollar. So you'll get access to all my fancy content. Plus all of our great picks. Uh, I was the number one NBA handicapper last season, so you'll get my NBA picks too, along with all the other great people for the site. So make sure to head on over to Sportsline and check that out. Mike coming in with the promo code. That's how you know this guy is a professional. 
But see, I, and this is the first year I got the promo codes because I did so well last year. I get my own promo code, so I got to make sure I get it out there. So if you haven't signed up, use that promo code. Make me look good, all right? Man, if you are not following Mike Barner and you play fantasy sports, you are doing something wrong. At Roto <laughs> Mike Barner, follow him now. Do it. It's going to help you in the end. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. We'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it.